0: Visit roberthalf.com today.
1: The red, white, and blue march north of the wall on a mission to defeat CONCACAF, Serpers, Canada, elsewhere, Kingston, Slayers, Mexico face an undead Costa Rica side. Things look stark for the reggae boys and the qualifiers drag on, dragon, dragon. Get it? I like that. For Old Enemies (laughs) Honduras and El Salvador, I'm Heath Pierce alongside Jimmy Conrad, and I am all out of Game of Thrones references. The Keagleaso Canada versus USMNT preview begins right now. Now, everyone, if you are uh, watching this, uh, we appreciate you. Make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. Leave a comment. Leave a review. Like the like the video. Get involved in the conversation. We want to bring all of that to a forefront. And then, uh, you know, on the other side of things, if you listen to this in audio form, make sure you leave a comment. Five stars always helps get this thing found, and it makes us feel good. Confidence is important. We talk about mental health a lot, so the more you can give us five stars, the better we will be. Feeling. <laughs> Jimmy Conrad, what is going on, man? I am excited for this match in
2: particular. It is a game that was circled on my calendar, not only in the last month or two, but once the window, the cold qualifying phase started. I think this is a really important one for us in particular. And once Canada got a result in Nashville against us, we were up 1-0 for only six minutes, and they came back and... Got a valuable uh, goal, which ultimately led to the draw. And it's time for us to exact some revenge, Heath mm-hmm. Pierce. So I'm excited to break this one down and to get into it a little bit more with you and to and with our amazing community.
1: Yeah, now, Jimmy, before we get into the preview of of all of the matches uh, uh, happening, let's talk about the significance of Costa Rica's win over Panama. At least in, in your opinion, what does it mean for Canada, U.S., and Mexico uh, in the grand scheme of things, right? So to give a little bit of context, Canada beats Panama. Panama. That means they didn't get the points to stay in, kind of punch for punch with with US, Mexico, and 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 Canada. But that also means that there's now some life to a fifth person, mm-hmm. for a fifth team in 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 Costa Rica. Do you think that was a good result? We talked about that being the biggest game of the round. Do you think that's a big result, and how do you think that starts to shape uh, these upcoming matches and uh, in, in the Concacaf World Cup qualifying?
2: Yeah, it's a massive result, and especially if you're Costa Rican, because it gives you that that fighting chance to make it happen. What I'll say about Costa Rica, seven goals, for, seven against in nine games. They're not really lighting it up. But as we've discussed, some other teams in Canada in particular, they have an identity. They know who they are and what they're about. And I think that they try to, at the very, at the, at the maximum, try to play to their strengths and, and understand what their weaknesses are. and Don't pretend that they don't have weaknesses. And I like that about teams, the ones that I know that are out there and are really honest about who they are and what they're about. Costa Rica fall into that category. They're in that, though, zone where they have older players that are a little old and they got some younger players that maybe aren't ready for the responsibility yet. So they're really relying on being very nice with the old players. There are
1: a few old players that are a lot of old.
2: So, so we're contributing by the way, Brian Ruiz scoring a goal. For sure. For sure. What I'll say though, very quickly is that I didn't think Panama was just going to obviously, you know, dance their way into the top four, potentially really threaten the top three the top three were going to have to stumble themselves, I think, for Panama to actually break into that automatic qualification spot to the World Cup. Fourth is a realistic option for them. For Costa Rica, they got some tough games. They have to play Canada and the U.S. and Mexico. And that's their next one. So I think we're going to know more about Canada, or excuse me, Costa Rica in this one after they have their 90 minutes against uh, Mexico and Estadio Azteca. And then we're going to really find out what they're about. And obviously, it's a big opportunity for Panama to, to try to create some distance from them as well. But yeah, they're not going to face each other the rest of the round. So now now they have to play all the other big teams and and uh let the chips fall where they
1: may, everybody, if I can borrow that cliche. Yeah, I like that. Well, Jimmy, let's talk about this Canada US men's national team match. Obviously, you can catch that on Paramount 3 3:05 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh fantastic matchup, one that I'm excited about. We talked about this a lot, Jimmy, that uh we we had a few comments on on our on our recap. Uh, that it's always better when, when Canada is doing well, right? CONCACAF is better when Canada mm-hmm, are doing mm-hmm. well. And it's been a long time since they've been a contributor, especially in the final round. And now here they are top of the table. Uh, I mean, what, is this, what does this game mean from a significance of, we we talk a lot about who's the best team in CONCACAF right now. Is this is this one game, the, the judgment of that?
2: Oh, one game to determine who the best team is in CONCACAF? No, I mean, I it's up that, in the air.
1: I mean, they're, is, they're both going to qualify, is. but like, but like it, you know.
2: Uh, you have to give it to Canada. At this current moment, through this qualifying octagonal, it has been Canada, the only team that have yet to lose through qualifying. So who are we to say otherwise? Well, the U.S. is better. Mexico is better. But, well, Jimmy, this is the but argument, Canada's argument proven Mexico. it. Canada's proven it. Away from home, at home. They've done it.
1: Yeah, but, Jimmy, this is the argument that we've always had with U.S. and Mexico where, like, U.S. beats Mexico uh, one time. They, Mexico still says, well, we're still the regional kings, right? We're still... The the most important, we're still the best. We lost you one time. Now, three times, that conversation has shifted. But now with Canada, you know, is it the run that they're on? Or are they legitimately, you know, kind of, I I know it's hard to answer, but it's- it's No, it's not. It's not. Because in one way, if we just look at the octagonal and what they've done in the nine games
2: of World Cup qualifying, and given where they've come from and how quickly they have just jumped onto the scene, they are definitely the flavor of the month, but they've proven that they deserve to be there. But if we take the summer into consideration where we won the Nations League, which they didn't even qualify as one of the top four teams, and then we won the Gold Cup, beating them along the way, even though we scored very early in that one. Remember, it was like the first minute Shaq Moore yeah. scored, and then we actually struggled against Canada, I thought, the rest of the game, and they were the better team in a lot of different ways. We still got a result, and I think that, again, speaks to what we have, this quality that we have. No matter who we roll out there, we have that kind of never-say-die attitude, which we both appreciate that we have, because we maybe lacked that a little bit through the last World Cup qualifying phase. Yeah. So so when you take kind of maybe all of 2021, yeah, the U.S. is going to have a strong claim. Not only that, we beat Mexico 2-0 in our own World Cup qualifying. But in the octagonal, it's got to be Canada. And I'd say in current form. And I thought they looked very good against Honduras. And we can break down why. But the possession, I know, went down. P- uh, Honduras had more possession. They had more shots. But when Canada scored early, 10 minutes mm-hmm. into the game, they didn't have to go chase it anymore. They didn't yeah. have to go make the game. They could just invite Honduras to come down and go go for it, guys. Commit yeah. some more extra numbers. Yeah, we're expose co- yourself. Yeah, oh, yeah, we're, we're comfortable with this. And how did they score the second goal, Canada? On the counterattack. A straight ball to a straight run. Jonathan David works some magic. Goalkeeper has to do a little bit different, better, sort of the defenders. And and they hit him on the counter. Two passes, three touches, boom, 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 goal. And, and that's what I like about Canada, is that they can beat you in a lot of different ways. We didn't really have that version of them in a very long time. So I'm excited that they're going to qualify. I I think it's a good thing, as you mentioned, but they're very dangerous and they have confidence. And and I think that is something they lacked as well along the way. And and those two things have to go hand in hand. And finally, I feel like that merging of confidence and talent are starting to come together, which makes them very dangerous.
1: Well, what did we learn from that Honduras uh, Canada match? Obviously it's a match away from home. We know Honduras is on three points They're They're, they're completely uh, sort of ruined in this qualifying campaign, something that I didn't expect even close to mm-hmm, this level, mm-hmm. but they get the own goal uh, a few minutes, 10 minutes in or whatever it was. Tejon Buchanan having a nice uh, sort of one on one run beating a couple people to create that chance. But what are, I mean, what are we looking like? Do you think that they're as balanced as as they look right now in terms of the goals they're giving up versus the attack? Because, again, we talk about this a lot. Same with the U.S. Like, all the shine and glory is on the fact that they've got a lot of good attacking players playing at big clubs and, and contributing at those clubs, right? And at the national team level. We have the same thing at the U.S. But less so gets talked about at the defensive line. We don't always, I mean, you and I as defenders, we give credit more to our defense on the U.S. men's national team. And we've also put Canada players in our best 11 for CONCACAF uh, each one of these windows. But do you think they're as balanced as, as, as they look looking at that Honduras game? Or do you think that they're, they, they can be exposed and they do have some vulnerabilities? Oh, every team has their vulnerabilities. I think it's going to be up to the U.S. to take advantage of that. And I
2: think maybe that's where a lot of the frustration comes for fans. Let's just take the El Salvador game as an example. We had a chance to put that game to bed super early. Jesus mm-hmm. Ferrer had a couple good chances. We didn't finish them off, and we kept giving El Salvador that brief little moment of hope that, that, yes, their XG was terrible, 0.2. I don't think they got any shots on goal. So we did what we needed to do, and we got a result. Again, very important but we're not putting teams away like we should. And I think that's where a lot of the frustration comes in. And when we play against the Canada's and Mexico's, we need to turn not only those full chances into goals, but we have to turn some half chances into goals. And I think that is where, at least for me as a fan, if I do want to tiptoe into the waters of frustration and what kind of irritates me about the national team is that we're not doing that consistently, which would take so much pressure off the rest of the team to have to be perfect in every other way. So Canada does have their vulnerabilities, and and you can get them on set pieces. Honduras did have a couple good looks. They got to the headers first. They weren't they weren't clean headers, but they're getting there first. Mm-hmm. And and the U.S. just to put them into the conversation because obviously they're playing against each other. We haven't done very well on attacking set pieces. I don't think we've scored any attacking set pieces in World Cup qualifying. And the last one that we did was in the Gold Cup final. Miles Robinson scored against Mexico in extra time. But we we really haven't threatened. And I think that's what makes me a, a little bit concerned because. Let's let's extrapolate this out. We get through World Cup qualifying, we qualify for the World Cup. When we get to the World Cup, the margins are so fine that a lot of those games, and we've seen it in all competitions, Copa America, Euros, a lot of those games are defined by set pieces. And if we can't lock up that side of it and, and be a threat in some capacity, that's going to be a problem for us if we have to try to always score in the run of play. And, yeah. and we have to be a little bit more diverse in our attacking, and we have to be more of a serious threat. And I think we can get at Canada with that. And if we go back to... Sorry, I'm just taking – I'm running with it right now. But but if we look back at the Canada 1-1 game in Nashville, what Brendan Aronson did just to pressure the ball – can you can hurt Canada in transition. The problem is that they're very good and they're very disciplined under John Herdman and how they play in their team shape, and they don't let themselves be vulnerable. The, the way that they uh, get behind the ball, the way that they always have you know the, the, the balance and cover defensively makes it very difficult. But at times, as we saw with Brendan Aronson when we scored that goal – you can get it. You can get it, but you just have to be really selective in what we do and when we do it. I feel like at home, though, Heath, Canada will feel like they really want to take it to us, and I think that mentality could work against them in this particular match.
1: Yeah, that's well said. And I mean, looking at the statistics, Canada are six four and four, as you can see uh, if you're watching this visually, um, six four and four against uh, the U.S. men's national team World Cup qualifying. Obviously, you're talking about generational. What that means, it doesn't always apply to now. But Canada seemed to be able to match up historically well with the U.S. They just haven't been able to match up with CONCACAF to get themselves in the positions that they're in now to qualify for a World Cup, right? Reaching the final round, competing, getting the results against others that keep them in the hunt to qualify for a World Cup. So it seems like the U.S. or Canada like their chances against the U.S. historically, not just because of the form that they're in right now. Obviously, the U.S. are 2-1-1 in their last four matches in Canada, dating back to 1991. Now, Jimmy... We we talked a little bit about the tactics of this game. Let's let's look uh, at uh, sort of the matchups, right? We we looked at El Salvador. We I I talked very much. I, I talked a lot about the high and wides of our fullbacks. Tyler Adams sitting deeper. We're now playing away from home, right? And the and you know that the risk to reward of that is only if you can capitalize or take advantage of the advantages that you just mentioned early on. Can the U.S. take advantage of their moments? We had those moments. We didn't capitalize on that, and we saw twenty minutes in when El Salvador got a huge chance. That I think a Canada probably creates a better opportunity, or maybe even scores on potentially. Y- mm-hmm. it, potentially, you, you can't really predict that. Complete. In, uh, well, I get. I get uh, what you're saying. Yeah. Do you think the U.S. needs to be a little more conservative in that, or is it worth the risk of having? a little bit more of that build-up shape where you're trying to create those gaps, more space for your central midfield three to find the ball. Your fullbacks are high and wide. You're it's that risk to reward thing of saying, okay, we're going to be, ex- if we're not good in possession, we are very exposed. Now you don't have Fonzie in this game. And I want to know your thoughts on, on him missing and, and how you think that Canada still matches up without him. But uh, uh, Alfonso Davies, I'm speaking of for anybody that doesn't know Fonz's uh, <laughs> uh, nickname, uh, which you should. Um, uh, you know, kind of do you think that that's the the approach for the US or and do you think Canada comes out the same way, like you just said, pressing and being on the front foot? or how do you think this shapes out in terms of the tactical battle between Herdman and Greg berhalter? Yeah, that's a good one. I, I think that John
2: Herdman has probably won coach of the year status so far in, in World Cup qualifying. I think it speaks to their identity. I think mm-hmm. if we use the Hond- Honduras game, the confidence they're going to derive from that result two-zero zero away from home and San Pedro Sula is a big deal. And to do it without Alfonso Davies, who's arguably the best player in CONCACAF even is only going to give them more confidence that, okay, Mm -hmm. we can go out there and get a positive result. We can go out there and still put our stamp on the game and do what we want to do and be in control of the tempo, whether we have the ball or not. And I think that's really important. And I like that about John Herdman, that they got everybody on the same page on both sides of the ball. Sometimes it's not easy to do both. Sometimes your attack's flying, but your defense is all over the place or vice versa. With regard to the matchups, I went back and watched a-, a portion of the first game, U.S. versus Canada and Nashville. And what I found, and I saw it actually. In the what a Honduras student of the I, game you are,
1: by the way. What a well, student well the you, you know, are.
2: I'm still working on my coaching badges and trying to get my A license and all that. So it's important to go back and look. But what I do think that Canada does, they're going to poke and prod. And usually we say that, Heath, when we're like when, when a team has possession in and around the box, right? You're poking, you're prodding, do you play it wide and get the cross in? Are you trying to you know, pull out a center back and maybe find that midfield runner kind of running into that space behind the center back to create mm-hmm. something? All these little things, right? But, but what I think Canada does really well is they're going to hit long balls. And, and they're not just long balls for long balls sake. They're putting them in there to see how high of a line you're holding. They're, they're poking and prodding from a little bit of a deeper thought process. And and then they're gonna to try to turn you around if if you win it and try to play out of it. Now, if you remember, there was a great opportunity that Alfonso Davies had in the in that game in Nashville where a ball got hit up over the top and Serginho Desk completely whiffed on it, the clearance, and it went right to Alfonso Davies. Thankfully he was at a, it was at an angle. He played it to Kyle Laren who put it wide, and we survived that. But then I saw something very similar last night in the Honduran game, which led to Jonathan David. Sometimes if they identify a situation where, where one of their Guys up top, and they've got speed up top with David. Kyle Laren can, 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 can get going once he gets going. Tejon Buchanan. They're going to put a ball up over the top, and they're going to make you deal with it. How are you going to deal with this, fellas? How are you going to deal with it? So that's going to be a key matchup for me with regard to our center backs, whoever starts, whether it's Miles Robinson and Chris Richards or Walker Zimmerman and somebody or whatever, some iteration of those three. How are you going to deal with that? Especially because as we talked about post-El Salvador in our recap pod, how far are our outside backs going to bomb forward? And I think that speaks to what you want to get into, Heath. Mm-hmm. How much do we venture? How much do we give them the freedom to go? Now, in that Nashville game, when Brendan Aronson won that ball, and all of a sudden we had some time to let it develop in midfield, Anthony Robinson's bombing forward. He was the one that assisted it back across to uh, to Brendan Aronson for the goal. So we need that type of, I think, attack, where you can start to sense that something's developing and then you can join the attack. But sometimes I think we can't have both guys too high. We're going to get punished by a good candidate team that I actually think is setting up setting up in some ways for us to do that, and then they're going to exploit it.
1: Yeah, I, I, again, when I look at the wings uh, being some of Canada's biggest strengths, even without Alfonso Davies playing on the wing, you've still got uh, a number of players that can beat you. Richie Lorea. you've got Tejon Buchanan, you've got just got plenty of pace out there to expose you Uh, on the wings if you're going to overcommit. And again, it's a little bit of that, you know, Jimmy, it's fluid in a game, right? Mm -hmm. If you have Tejon Buchanan's bombing out a fullback, usually that fullback goes, okay, he's leaning on me a little bit. He's won this battle. I'm going to sit back a little bit more and be a little conservative and pick and choose my moments, Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, to, to go forward. And by the way, after last night's game, Greg Brohalter said, we call our fullbacks, our superpower. Now, I think that is just a modernization of the game. I think that's where the space is sometimes, especially when you're respected enough where teams are going to sit back against you. Now, that's going to be different against Canada because I don't think Canada... Now, they might sit back in their blocks at certain times, but I also think, like you said, Canada even traditionally have always played when Rob Friend was a big striker, target striker, up, back, wide, and then getting after you from the wings, get numbers in the box. Now, obviously, they have way more threats than that now, which only adds to the arsenal. It doesn't necessarily change the the style of play because they are willing to play direct and keep you honest in that sense. And so... You know, I'm trying to figure out in that fluidity almost who wins that battle out, right? Can we actually force Buchanan or both wingers to have to defend deeper? Can you force Jonathan David or Kyle Larin to have to drop off onto your six because now you've won the midfield battle of three? Can you start to create those advantages that forces Canada to have to make adjustments and react versus us being mm-hmm, reactive mm-hmm, to saying, mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. they're cheating up now we can't attack forward. Like, how can you win all those little battles? And I think that's going to make the difference of being able to, you know, uh, win that thing. I, I also think the speed of play for our team needs to be a little bit faster than it was against El Salvador, in back and out the other side, changing the point of attack, things it's like gonna that. Have to be create it's gonna have to be imbalances yeah. because. Canada has too many good players to know that if you give them time to sit in blocks or sit in shape, they're far more disciplined and far better tactically than some of the other teams in CONCACAF. And so I think they're going to make it very difficult. If you don't imbalance them or find those advantages, uh, it's going to be difficult to break them down. No. And also I'll add to that. And I appreciate Greg
2: kind of showing his hand, saying that our outside backs are our, our superpower. I, 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 what I find interesting is that against El Salvador, I felt we were more heavy on the right side. I feel like Serginho Dest was whipping in more balls than Anthony Robinson, now Anthony does get forward and he does provide a little bit of that balance I think and helping create our width. But to your point, Heath, those decisions to go down the right they're going to get cut out a lot quicker from Canada. Yeah. Uh, they're not going to sit back as much, and we have to make that decision quicker. It's not on on this side. We got to go back. You know, it maybe it goes into McKinney, goes back to Adams. Adams now switches it back over to Anthony. That has to happen right. very quickly so that we can continue to shift and move. The center backs in particular of Canada, which I think are a vulnerability. I think they're great by committee. I think that they are uh, collectively as a group, they're well-organized, they're disciplined, but they don't get moved around a lot. And if we can somehow pull them out of that space and make them make decisions, then Mm -hmm. I think we find ourselves in a good spot, which then ultimately leads to we need some number nine play that's going to really put those guys in, in, in a situation where they're a little bit uncomfortable. And I don't even mind if Ricardo Pepe starts and drops into midfield, but you just have to move those guys around. Now, if Pepe drops into midfield or whoever our nine is, we need runners to go in advance of him because that's going to now force the center backs to make decisions. Oh, crap. I see Pulisic. Do I stay with Pulisic or do I go and stay with Pepe going into midfield now? If we don't do that a lot, if we don't move Canada around a lot, they're just going to sit in that block, which they're very good at, And it's going to really frustrate us because they're just better than some of the other teams and they know exactly what they should do and how they should counter. And they're going to put a couple long balls in there. They're going to be like force to deal, you know, deal with it, Americans. And and Mm -hmm. we don't always do a very good job of that. And that could lead to some trouble. So yeah, this is a really interesting game. You know, as much as we don't want to call any games, chess matches or or chess games, but there is some chess that's going to be played here. And some of it's just going to be positional discipline. And I hope that our outside backs in particular, our superpower, uh, will have that because it's going to be very key for them to maintain the integrity of our back line and not to get too excited on one hand to go forward, but also not to get too frustrated if it's not working. To then try to do something and force something when it's not on to do it.
1: Yeah. Well, let's 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 move on to the projected eleven then, when we talk about a little bit of that chess uh, battle. What what's your predicted eleven? Not the one you want to see, but the one that you think you will see. And do you think? Pulistic, <laughs> you know, we talked about this in the oh, recap. But, you know, politic politic was off, and. Fortunately, you have enough talent around him that I think it's great that you have the ability to sub him out early on when it's not working. I think you're trying to build him back, build his confidence again. Do you think he starts in this one? And what's your projected 11? So let me let me start here. I got a couple of prefaces if I'm allowed to have some. Mm-hmm.
2: One, one, the whole three games in eight days thing is somewhat of a tired narrative for me because, especially for our European-based guys, because if any of them are playing the top clubs, they've been doing that. They play domestically on the Mm -hmm. weekends, and they have a Champions League or Europa League game midweek. And a lot of them play those three games in eight days, and they're used to that rhythm. It's not that big of a deal. And if we're going to rely on our European-based guys and say that they're a superpower and they can do all these things, then this shouldn't be an issue. So ultimately, I'm saying that because I want us to continue to roll out our best guys. I don't want to see eight changes to this this, this team at all. And if anything, maybe one or two tops. And then there's one more thing I want to add in here. That the mm-hmm. weather actually I, I, the, the weather's a bit of an interesting narrative because you and i both know we've played in enough games both teams play in the weather it's not like one gains an advantage over another there is a slight advantage though because canada had to travel from a, from more of a an exotic locale because it's a hot and humid in 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 honduras and have to fly all the way back right so their travels longer yeah. that that climate they played in is it, and the travel is longer yeah, I do think that we can glean an advantage there because we're not the, the from Columbus to Hamilton's not not as far, and we play in the same environment. So there is an adaptability there that I do appreciate. The I playing, agree with that. So playing in Minnesota though, the following game, that's ridiculous. But but so I do think there's these little advantages. So I just want to have those two prefaces. I don't want to see too much change. Could you bring in Miles Robinson at this point? I think you could. I don't think you should. I think that we built a nice foundation yesterday. Uh, in, in the game against El Salvador. I'd almost keep the back line the same. DeAndre Yedlin, he came in for desk in the Nashville game against Canada. Des went out with a calf injury, like the 40th minute. And DeAndre Yedlin's actually got caught in no man's land mm-hmm. on the goal, right? Alfonso Davies made a good run in behind him. Miles Robinson doesn't ever slide over. Jonathan Brooks gets in beaten to the middle. Of Kyle Aaron taps it in. And and He'll learn from that play, of course, DeAndre Edlin. But mm-hmm. I'm not, if we switch them, I feel like Desk can also get caught in no man's land. We've seen him do it uh, plenty of times. So so I kind of want to keep that rhythm the same and okay. then maybe make a custom MMA, Musa McKinney Adams stays the same. Uh, forever. A little bit, yeah, forever, for every single game from here on out. Ricardo Pepe, I think, comes in for Ferreira. And I would then consider maybe Aaronson getting the start yeah. just because of how busy he was and the confidence he. I mean, he scored against Canada the last time. I think they're a little afraid of Aaronson and what he brings because he's a little bit unpredictable. Where is he going to pick up the ball? He presses. He's a madman when he presses. So I'm just trying to decide, does Greg go with, with Timo Weah, who I thought was solid, or, or does he go and, and and give Christian Pulisic a rest? I, I, Given the fact that Pulisic wears the captain's armband, it would be a really bold call at this point to to leave him out of the starting lineup. But, so I I think Pepe comes in and I think Aronson will start. I just haven't decided whether it's Wea or or for Pulisic. Yeah, that's a good
1: challenge. I th- I think interestingly, I like the way that the energy that uh that uh, Brendan Aronson brings against a team like this. I also think Canada's an opponent that I think Pulisic would be up for. Having said that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you are if you know Pulisic injury prone, Tim Wea injury prone, uh, yeah, uh, true. both of them you don't want to go uh three starts in a row if you're going to take them sixty pass. Now, having said that, you 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 pulled Pulisic early. So you you didn't overdo him. Mm-hmm. And so you could get 360s out of him or 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 190 and a couple 60s. I think that's that's fair having said that he hasn't played a ton for at his club recently. So if you're hedging your bets on keeping him healthy and all those things, maybe you want to keep him for your third home game knowing that 6 points is a must, 7 points is needed, 9 points would be perfect. You still you can still give him 30 at the end of that game. So that's why I wonder if maybe there is an opportunity there. I'm trying so, to create, create some sort of some sort of understanding or logic out of that.
2: Okay, let's keep going on the logic then. Honduras are out. Yeah. You know, they lost. They're done. Their World right. Cup hopes are done. So they're going to come to the U.S. and and play us after this Canada game. And what mentality? What do they have to play for? I, I just feel like we're going to run into a Honduras team that's just going to feel sorry for themselves, kind of going through the motions. Maybe in the next window, Honduras will pick themselves up and, hey, let's ruin somebody else's World Cup dream. But yeah. I don't
1: know if it's going to be in this particular window. I, I always get so, so nervous thinking like that, though, Jimmy. Just I I Against Canada, they looked defeated against Canada. As soon as they gave it that goal, it was done. They They were it done. Did. You know, not even though they're going to be hard. Later, but like, I, I always worry that, like, just like we I talked about it. Jamaica, like, it. are we going to be the ones that faces them when no, all? No, I know, I know, I know, right?
2: But I'm just saying that I, 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 I don't want us to. I know that we need to win that game. We got to win our home games because we have this tough one away. We play away to Mexico and away to Costa Rica, but. There's something to be said for it. let's just keep it the same. We haven't done that yet. We yeah. haven't done it yet where we kept it the same. Or the only time sure. that we did was the time that we had a two-game window that was Mexico and then away to Jamaica. We kept it relatively the same. And we got a draw away from home, which is what you need to do in World Cup qualifying, and we beat our biggest rivals at home. Yeah. Let's keep that vibe going. Yeah. And then let's just get through this Canada game and then see where we are and assess yeah. what we need to do in the Honduras game. But I do think that we're going to run into a Honduran team that's just they're going to be checked out. What? Not, not, Maybe not every single player, and I think they will be tough, but if we score that first goal, I think they're going to lay down like they did against Canada in some capacity.
1: Yeah, the one thing I would say, the only thing I would say is I am judging the lineup based on if there's a lot of changes, I think they are a tactical change to adjust to Canada which is showing a bit of fear. Wait, wait now, if we're what, confident, what do we, what? Yeah. Give me your lineup. Cause now I feel like, no, no, I, I I, no, I agree with your, up. no, I agree with your lineup. I want your lineup. And, and I am, I'm, you even sold me on Dest, which I was sort of thinking like, maybe we need to be a little bit smarter. I mean, that's as simple as saying, Hey, don't screw the team pick and choose your moments. Like you said, when the ball's coming in and out the other side, fullback releases, that's right. when they see that the moment in spaces. Right. And I actually thought Dest had good timing with a lot of that. He, he released for most of his running, But there was times that, especially Robinson, he starts to drift higher and higher when the game's on the other side. And that's a weakness for the U.S. And so uh, if you can get that balance a little bit better and do it more where it's like comes out in the left side through the middle and out the right side, Dest is releasing, so you're not leaving that space too early, exposed if you lose the ball. I'm perfect with that lineup but again I agree with you maybe it's ballistic. maybe it's way um from from a lineup standpoint so I'm not going to argue with that whatsoever I'm just saying if we saw a bunch of changes mm-hmm. it would show a little bit of fear for me of conservative nature that yeah. we don't want to take it back to to Canada and I think that we shouldn't have that fear of Canada we I should agree. be willing to take it to them so Same. let's get your quick predictions on this match are we sitting on the fence on this one okay, it's way it's am. very cold it's very hard to predict do you think that there anyone has a clear advantage I don't think anybody has a clear advantage, and I think
2: these two teams know each other well. I think that the the managers are, are pretty keyed in on both teams and, and what the strengths and weaknesses are, and now it's just a matter of execution and, and putting good players in spots. Greg has had a tendency of sometimes tinkering and maybe putting Sergino Dest on the left, you know, and, and that's not his best position. I think we've gotten away from that, which is what I've really appreciated about this run so far, is we've kind of gotten away from you know, tinkering too much and starting to identify our best 11. Now I just mm-hmm. want to see that best 11 continue to get reps, especially in big games as they continue to build that camaraderie. I got 1-1 one, one here. I have a ton of respect for Canada. Uh, I think that they're going to bring it. I think the crowd is going to be into it. I think there's going to be a lot of Ice Tech Canada, Mexico vibes where they're just so mm-hmm. thirsty to prove that they deserve to be the best team in Concacaf, that they deserve to go to the World Cup. That nobody's going to hand anything to them. And I think John Herdman has them in the right spot. But I think this U.S. team is going to be ready to punch back. And I think we're going to split the points. I think it's going to be one-one, and everybody should be satisfied with that.
1: Yeah, and it looks like the draw is is playing at plus two hundred. It's a slight edge uh, to the U.S. in terms of the lines. Is there is there a both teams to score and a, and a draw that's worthwhile? You think?
2: I don't. I I would stay away from the both teams to score because I could see a zero-zero. You know, Matt Turner will probably be in the sticks. Once again, Zach Steffen, I don't think, has shown up. And, you know, he's going to have a lot of confidence now going to Arsenal. And, and and he's been good for us. And he actually played in the first Canada game. And there was nothing he could do uh, in, on the goal by Cal Aaron. Just the defending yeah. wasn't good enough in front of him. So, yeah, Matt Turner between the six, getting a clean sheet. It's kind of what he does for the U.S. I think he's got 10 and 14, uh, 10 in his last 14 games. And then... On the other side, Borhan and Goal is excellent, and the defending is very good too. So if we didn't create a lot of opportunities and it was a bit of a stalemate, I would like to see a score on a set piece. So if we're going to score, let's make it a goddamn corner kick, everybody. Yeah. Uh, but but um, if it was zero zero, I wouldn't be surprised.
1: Well, let me let me let me ask you this before we go to break, uh, and let's let's uh, let's try to keep this one uh, a short one. The, uh,
2: <laughs> That's uh, can you possible with me? Yeah. All
1: right. Is a draw fair for both? Like, are both happy with a draw, or is somebody a little bit more disappointed? Considering Canada's at home,
2: they yeah. But I think like Canada, in the context of it all, I think Canada would be more disappointed, right? I mean, as I we've stated from the very beginning, you want to win your home games and get draws away from home. That's how you qualify for World Cups, and and, and you want to set this. You know, you're they did it against the U.S. Though you're still playing the U.S. I get even it. Though, but, even though but you they, have momentum, you're still playing the U.S. They just they just did it against Mexico. They want to. They want to do it against the U.S. as well. To, to To be able to take points off the U.S. Uh, is important. They beat Mexico at home, and they drew at Estadio Azteca one one. They got the draw. Now they want to beat. They want to beat the U.S. at home. And honestly, they do it. They. I think they're going to end up winning Concacaf if they can beat us. Beat us on uh, this weekend.
1: Yeah, that's well said. And our producer, our producer, Dez says, uh, U.S. soccer Twitter is going to be more disappointed, uh, with the draw. <laughs> that's what and we that's, want. A, that's how it's we a, should measure everything. It's like Arsenal soccer fan Twitter. TV. You yeah, know, everybody gets more yeah. clicks when the U.S. sucks. Yeah. So and I
2: don't know if that's a good, good place to be in for us. As, I agree. As a
1: country. I agree. We spent four years, uh, uh, working those clicks. It's time to move on from it. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> to, we're, let's just balance it out. Just yeah, a little bit of positivity yeah. from uh, time to time. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to uh, discuss uh, the remaining matches from this, uh, upcoming fixture date, Mexico versus Costa Rica, Panama versus Jamaica, Honduras versus El Salvador. All three of those on Paramount Plus. We'll be right back.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.
1: Hey, everyone. We are back. Jimmy, let's move on to uh, Mexico versus Costa Rica. You know, we talked about uh, Costa Rica-Panama being the game of of the last match day. Uh, Now you've got Mexico versus Costa Rica. Costa Rica need to win this one, I think, in, in... in all intents and purposes, uh, or at least get something out of this game. Mexico are playing at home. Like we talked about Mexico continue to find a way similar to the teams that are all at the top, like not necessarily yeah. playing fantastically, right. but knowing that you've got to find a way to get points. Uh, how do you see this one shaping up uh, this, this game? Obviously again, Mexico are at home Costa Rica coming off of a huge win against Panama. M- many people who thought they were kind of out just because if you looked at their roster, you looked at your team, they weren't a- scoring many goals, but now they're on zeros in terms of goal difference. Uh, against the Mexico side that finds ways to score goals, even if it's late. Yeah, this is going to be a tough one for Costa
2: Rica. Uh, I'll start with them. They only had 37% possession against Panama at home in a game that they needed to win. And maybe mm-hmm. maybe it was just so overwhelming, the pressure, they didn't want to take any risks and, and became very, very conservative. Right. And they got that one goal that they needed due to, uh, thanks to Brian Ruiz. So so I could see them probably setting up in a similar way. It seems like they're very comfortable in that type of formation, that they're just, they'll they'll take their stabs, right? They'll 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 maybe commit a number or two extra at times, a couple times a half, and those turn they they do a very good job of turning some half chances into some very good looks on goal. Mexico did beat them in Costa Rica earlier, one zero. I think Mexico has a pretty good handle on them, all things considered, and this is a big one for Mexico. But given that momentum they're going to have, I think, coming out of that Jamaica game where they were up a man and they gave up the first goal and they get two late ones, I thought Tecatito coming on as a super sub made a big difference for them. He's a bit of a spark, so I expect Tecatito to start this one. Mm-hmm. Chucky Lozano comes back into the team, so automatically they're a little bit more dynamic. Now, they are going to miss Raul Jimenez. That's unfortunate because Funes Mori for me, just doesn't provide enough for them. You go this with Henry Martin? He's I, the one that's think, scoring these goals. He- as he is. I think I think Henry Martin might be the guy you want to start, but there is something about him, and we, we know this with players all over the world that, that some coaches just like he as a super sub. Mm-hmm. And and he's got really strong super sub vibes. And when he comes on, he does make a difference. So what about Diego Linez? Diego Linez, he comes on. I think he's played 52 La Liga games and he's never scored. So so he does provide a little bit something different. He was also a super sub in this one. I don't know if you start him though. I think Tecatito starts, Chuku Lizano starts. Now it's just a matter: do you start Martín or do you go with Funes Mori for about sixty, and then you bring on Martín? Either way, these are all—all all these guys are going to cause a lot of problems for for Costa Rica and their back line. As much as I appreciate what they 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 bring to the table with Kendall Waston and and Francisco Calva, who just signed for the Quakes, you know, I, I think that this Mexican back line it, it, it has the diversity in attack and and in ideas to hurt you in a couple different ways. And then you have the Antunas, and you have the Alexis Vega, who scored uh, the game winner against Jamaica, who can come off the bench and, and give you also a different look. It's like they have almost similar to us. We have a couple lines of players that we can use now that can can kind of hit hurt teams in different ways, and that's a great great place to be in. For me, Mexico though, they might just have to up the tempo against a team like Costa Rica, where they like to control it, and and, and teams I don't think are as. It's it's almost like I don't know if the modern game's gone this way, but but a team like Costa Rica who gave a good deal of of possession to Panama just aren't troubled by the possession anymore. They don't get as frustrated. I don't know what it is, but uh, I think Costa Rica that plays into their, their style a little bit. So, okay, fine. Mexico, you can have 70% possession, but we're going to try to win the game regardless. So I'm kind of curious to see where they set up their back line. And and this is Costa Rica. And then obviously they don't want to leave themselves vulnerable. I I think Mexico match up really well because Brian Ruiz is not a lot of speed. I would say for Costa Rica and their danger guys. Whereas when I don't think Canada, or excuse me, Mexico matches up well against Canada at all because they just have these guys that can hurt you with their speed and their pace, and, and also they're looking to spring those guys in a really smart and intelligent way. And Canada has been very good at executing, but in this particular game, I think Mexico should do the business. And honestly, let's be—if they can't win this game, which gets them one step closer, maybe Tata Martino isn't the the right
1: coach for them. I don't know. It's it's interesting. I know a lot of uh, a lot of Mexican fans want him out. Yeah, and Jimmy. By the way, we were talking about in our recap of uh, how does this finish out, and our producer Dez, just reminded us that Mexico played four of their last five games at the Azteca, so they are teed up very, very well, very nicely to 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 sort of uh, capitalize on on the scheduling so far. If they can get a result in this one, let's move on to uh, Jamaica versus uh, or Panama versus Jamaica. Panama playing at home in this one. Panama, obviously, like we mentioned, getting that tough loss against Costa Rica, but still very much in the hunt to to qualify or at least reach that fourth position. Panama right now on 14 points. They'll play against this Jamaica side who are on 7, 7 points ahead. Jamaica's last chance is this game. And I know we say that a lot, but this is their last chance. They've got to they've got to win this one. And it's been weird with Jamaica just because they've been very close for all of qualifying, right? They've mm-hmm. been they've been in matches, they've been in headed matches and then they just seem to fall apart. And then we had the addition of players with the You know, they didn't have their best team because of COVID restrictions and things like that. And now we get them together and then they get a red card and they can't help Mm -hmm, themselves. mm -hmm. And it's just so it just seems like they're just on the verge of something. Do you think they are able to pull it together for this Uh, on paper? Do you think they're able to or or do you think Panama run away with this one at home?
2: Well, Panama did take advantage of a week in Jamaica side or actually Mikel Antonio, I think, was back for this game or their English based players. England based Mm -hmm. players were there when Jamaica hosted their first uh, game in Kingston in the World Cup qualifying window. Panama beat them 3 and and they look terrible. I, I we're not going to see that same version of of Jamaica. You know, their their interim manager Paul Hall is going to have them in a better place. They're going to feel a little hard done by by the red card. I assume they probably didn't think it was a red card. I've seen some tackles, you know, in Concacaf all over Concacaf, and they're just like, come on, that's not, that's a that's yeah. that's maybe a yellow, you know. Yeah. So I can understand why they they might be up in arms about that. But uh, VAR definitely worked against them. Panama though at home. A first game of this window, or overall, this whole qualifying phase, uh, 0-0 to Costa Rica. Then they they tied with Mexico. They were up 1-0. Mexico scored late to make that 1-1. Then they beat us 1-0. And then they beat El Salvador 2-1 at home. So undefeated at home right now, Panama has to know what's at stake. They have to know that if we win this game, we are so much closer to qualifying... For World Cup and also knowing that Costa Rica have a really tough test in Mexico. So they if they get the result that I think we all can see that, that Mexico will win, that, that just puts even more pressure on Panama to get all three points against Jamaica and really put this whole thing to bed. So this is these two games are really pivotal in terms of who's gonna finish in that fourth spot. And yeah. uh, I, I think the Panama are gonna have enough. I, I like what they're about and they they have some players. And And they were a little unlucky not to get a result against Costa Rica last night. they They hit the crossbar in the ninety second minute. They created more chances. They had more possession. They've got a sneakily pretty good team. and and yeah. uh, I like what they' they put together.
1: Well, just to recap real quick, Mexico versus Costa Rica, you have, you've got Mexico winning that one? I do. You've got Panama beating Jamaica? I do. I think it's going to be a fight cause I think Jamaica's they're they're there. This is it. This is their last yeah. breath before and, their
2: World Cup hopes are over
1: and before we move on to the Honduras El Salvador one, which has less implications, you, you said something interesting, and you talked about you know them distancing themselves from Costa Rica. Do you think Panda, Panama's mindset is, let's distance from Costa Rica and then deal with the rest? Or do you think Panama's legitimately going for a top three? I mean, of course they're going for a top three, but are they saying, hey, good is good right now, but we can focus on going good to great if we can just give ourselves a little bit more of a cushion and know that, okay, if we can win two of our last three, we might jump into that, that top three finish.
2: Yeah, I, I think, well, if I was their coach, I would... Try to keep the focus as one game at a time as possible. I know every every I think every coach in CONCACAF has said that so far. You
1: don't play it coaches. like a youth soccer coach in a tournament <laughs> to me where you're you know you're trying looking well, at, at all these other factors. I,
2: I think you know that your players are probably looking ahead too. Hey, if we can just win this game that sets us up to just get results here. I don't think Panama's gonna lose this, but if they got a draw, I wouldn't be surprised. And then it puts a lot of pressure on Costa Rica to try to match that result. To, to, to try to hang. One point is still one point. And if Costa Rica loses, you now created a three-point gap. And if, if they get a draw against Jamaica, it'd be 15 points to 12. Yeah. So, you know, and then and then Jamaica would be on eight. So they pretty much be eliminated at that point. And then, yeah, you got to try to scrape to get some results somewhere else. It's going to be a dogfight for that fourth spot. And if they can get on a run and play well, if they beat Jamaica, who does Panama play after Jamaica? They play... After they play Jamaica, they play in Mexico. So that's a very difficult... It's almost mm-hmm. like... We have, if I was the coach, be like, I don't have any expectations of getting the result at Azteca, like that's just an impossible place to play. Yeah, but this one at home against Jamaica, who are a little bit vulnerable, still looking for that identity, just fired their coach, unluckily lost to I don't know if unluckily is a word, but I just made it up. And and we're unlucky to lose to Mexico, so they're feeling a little hard done by you got to punch them in the face right now. If they score first, I think they go on to win the game, but. But uh, you can't sleep on this Jamaican team. So it's tough. It's tough. And then they have Honduras at home. Honduras is out. So they're going to probably get three points there. And then they play us away. And then they play at home to Canada. Again, they're very good at home. And I expect them to at least get a draw against the big teams and and beat the other ones. And Jamaica falls into that beat the other ones. And if they do that, then not only will they be scraping or definitely getting fourth, but I think they'll be scraping to, you know, nip the heels of whoever's in third.
1: That's wild, you know. I'm I'm just I'm, dude, I'm, looking, crazy, dude. I'm, I'm like, looking at it, dude. Nineteen no points in Canada, games. 18 US, I Mexico, know. 17, Panama, 14, Costa Rica twelve. Like that is legitimately five teams looking for four spots and all still wide open, you know. I mean, right. that, that right. is crazy. 19, 18, 17, 14 is just too close for comfort right now. And very, very interesting. It. So, Jimmy, let's move on to our final final game also on Paramount Plus, seven to five PM. Honduras versus El Salvador. Obviously, we mentioned the first five teams battling for three automatic spots and a fourth is a playoff but what we haven't mentioned is the seven and eight uh Honduras versus El Salvador this is you know you talked a lot about you know they're they're out so you should be able to beat them but there's always also that special sauce Jimmy and I know you probably felt this as a player when somebody writes you off or whatever and you play a little more free you mm-hmm. play a little less stressed mm-hmm. on the yeah, applications And very rarely does it convert into something legitimate, but it can for a few players. And you can see players trying to prove themselves for the next generation, or you play some young players that are coming through and things that you don't know about. Uh, And and both these teams sort of have that. I think El Salvador has probably been the most disappointing of these two teams in terms of where they were the summer to what I thought they could do, to how Mm -hmm. close they've stayed in games, especially against some of the bigger teams in terms of their defensive discipline, struggled to score goals, but have kept themselves in games for long periods. But Honduras are also at home. Not to say that that means a whole lot uh, considering what they did against Canada uh, and the way that they fell apart. But, I mean, who do you think has the advantage in this one? And what do you think that they're playing for? It's a qualifier, but both teams are out. Aren't they? They're not playing for a Europa League spot in the yeah, World Cup. Com- Com- Europa,
2: Europa League. Conference League. There's, yeah. not a, there's not a World Cup Conference League that we yeah. can put these teams in? Oh, that's right. We can we can make the, the World Cup 48 teams in 2026. So And then do it every two years. <laughs> I think that El Salvador, if I look into the future they have a better chance of qualifying for 2026 than i think Honduras does at the current moment. Honduras i think needs to kind of reset. They did have a bit of a golden generation, they qualified for two consecutive world cups and now they're just kind of going through that phase of all right, these older guys are older and and our younger guys aren't ready yet. I'd start to play the younger guys, get them some experience in some of these games. You don't have to do the full thing where you all of a sudden, yeah, i'm going to put in our under 23s and see what happens, but because you still want to maintain the integrity of this competition and because and, you still have some big games left for all the other ones that are still vying for World Cup spots. But I do think maybe you start to try some of your other players that, that are on the cusp, on the precipice of really demonstrating that they're ready to be a top talent for the Honduran national team. And then for El Salvador, same thing kind of speaks to them about player selection. But I'm actually looking at Uga Perez, the manager, because he has 73 caps for the U.S. men's national team. He was coaching our youth national teams before he left to take this job. He's in our National Soccer Hall of Fame. I think he's demonstrated with this run with El Salvador in the Gold Cup where we were like, wow, He started turning some heads. And even in this qualifying phase to the points you're talking about, like every time they were in every game doesn't mean they were threatening to win, but they were still hanging around. And I think that speaks to a, a coach that's organized, that knows what he's doing and tries to get the most out of the players at his disposal. And I think he'd be a great fit for an MLS team. So in some ways, I think he's auditioning for a job to get into MLS now all the spots are taken but we know quite quickly if the first 10 games don't go very well for any of the clubs that are out there and there's a lot of teams now that could open up an opportunity for Hugo Perez to get in there which might time out nicely because uh MLS will be in full swing once the qualifying stuff ends
1: yeah that's well said Jimmy so before we sell off into the sunset on this one Jimmy who do you have winning this or do you have somebody winning this match well Honduras haven't won any games this so far, it, this could be the
2: one. I mean, they, they, there's definitely pride at stake, and and especially in front of their home fans. They're not going to have too many more games left. I think Honduras will will figure it out as much as I think El Salvador will play. And I think this will be pretty, maybe pretty fun game to watch, all things considered, because you just don't know what's going to mm-hmm. happen. But to your point, I think they're going to relax and maybe just play a little bit. And I think if Honduras does that with Albert Elise and and these types of guys, then um, you know it gives them a good chance to. To make something happen, so they got they got uh, Honduras plays El Salvador, then us, and then the next window away to Panama, home to Mexico, and away to Jamaica. Yeah. That that's that's they're all tough games at this point. But uh, yeah, I'll get I'll get I don't know. I'm just trying to see if they're going to win any other games. Honduras wants to win one, and this is probably their best chance
1: to get a win. So I think they're going to go for it. That's well said, Jimmy. I like that. I think this is a pretty thorough preview. So we're going to leave it at that. As a reminder, Jimmy and I will be with you guys. Uh, After the Canada versus USA game, uh, we'll we'll do a live recap and we'll be announcing the winner of Thursday night's Paramount Plus subscription giveaway as well as giving viewers another opportunity to lend a a free $100 gift card to the greatest streaming service on this (laughs) rock we call Earth. And make sure you're following the Kegel Also podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher or whatever platform you listen to your podcast and leave us a rating and a review. We just gave you a free podcast. You can at least you can at least give us a little bit of love. And Jimmy and I pour our heart and souls into this, as well as all the other people, including Luis, Miguel, Echegaray. We give everything to this. So show us a little bit of love. And on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, and ring the notification bell like you are on the New York Stock Exchange. And until next time, from Des Norris, our producer, Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce. We will see you guys after the Canada game. Peace.